Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 22nd of February 2020. And the title of this episode is Do RPGs Make Enough Money? D&D and FFG. Do they make enough money? That's a question I want to begin Audio EXP 32 with. On last week's Geek Natives Highlights podcast, we talked about the future of Dungeons and Dragons. Hasbro, that's the company that owns Wizards of the Coast, would announce that future. We speculated on what that announcement might hold. Yes, computer games, that's a given. Probably for the next-gen consoles, mobile and PC. But we wondered whether they would buy a virtual tabletop, look into different direct-to-consumer marketplaces, or even invest in an electric board game subscription model. In the end, they only announced computer games. There's Baldur's Gate 3 and Dark Alliance, which we know about, and now there are five more computer games we know nothing about, except we will get one a year. That's it. Hasbro and Wizards of the Coasts did talk about esports and even location-based experiences. They did not talk about new tabletop experiences. No new settings, no rule systems or anything like it. If you're interested, you can find my teardown of their London Toy Fair presentation on Geek Native. The link, as always, is in the show notes or in the transcript you can find on the blog. In my write-up, I point out that we may still hear from Wizards of the Coasts about their tabletop D&D plans. The London Toy Fair audience, I argue, was a corporate one. They care about the big money headlines. China, average revenue per user, and huge investments, like a suite of computer games. I think that's right. However, the flip side is that they care less about the tabletop game because there's not enough money in it to interest them. For a brief hour, I did wonder whether dramatic news would come from their presentation. You see, that same day, Hasbro announced they had renewed their Star Wars deal with Disney. That could combine with bad news we had this week. The bad news is, Fantasy Flight Games is getting out of RPGs. And that's the company that currently holds the Star Wars RPG license. Let's just put some disclaimers in place. A site called D20 Radio has done some excellent work and found a source who they're keeping a secret who has confirmed that the long-term plans of the Asmodee company is to dump RPGs. There's a sort of non-refusal comment from FFG exec on Twitter, but there's still no straight-up press release or announcement from the company. Given, though, that the RPG department is basically gone at this point, I don't think anyone either doubts or is surprised by the news. Imagine though, Asmodee or Fantasy Flight Games moving away from Star Wars at the same week as Hasbro announces a Star Wars deal and wants to talk about D&D. The idea of Wizards of the Coast running Star Wars, I guess, is still possible, but as of Hasbro's big announcement, it isn't a thing. I guess the next chance of an interesting d news slipping out is on PAX East on the 27th. We know Laren Studios, that's the company behind Baldur's Gate 3, will be there and doing an actual place demo stream. I've already seen speculation around Baldur's Gate 4. I'd be surprised if that's confirmed at PAX, but it's not impossible. 
I also find myself thinking about money in RPGs as I wrote up Geeknator's exclusively RPG-focused, routinely itemized this month. Um, it's supposed to be an easy scan of bullet point headlines. Not this week, though. Not last week either. Why? Kickstarter is encouraging people to launch RPG zines. These are often little RPGs or one-shot games, and there are dozens of them. Rather than being a good week to launch an RPG zine, I wonder whether it's a terrible week to do it. There's so much competition, and there's only a finite amount of money to go around. Even the RPG Publisher Spotlight of the month has a money focus to it. As a recap, this month, Geekinator's patrons voted for Palladium Books. Palladium is absolutely the most iconic company that the column has ever focused on. The goal has been to help promote indie studios, but I think Palladium qualifies. There are only four people in the company. It's not a publishing powerhouse. Now, the goal of the publisher spotlight is to help and to highlight these publishers. Now, Palladium is an old company. They've certainly had rocky Kickstarters. Geek Native covered the news of the loss of the Robotech license. That's one that they held for 30 years. But that wasn't the focus of the spotlight. People still love Rifts. I mean, I'm a fan of their little-known Beyond the Supernatural and despite some flaws, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the RPG, has a special place in my heart. Did you know Palladium had to survive an employee stealing a million dollars from them? It was embezzlement. I think a lesser company would have folded. My Rift collection has about the same space on my shelves as my Wizards of the Coast authored D&D books. However, my small library of RPGs is nothing compared to some people's computer game collections. How many computer games do you have? Fanatical, a company that organises legal and legit bulk buys of stream keys for resale, ran a survey to discover that the average gamer that they speak to has 770 games. They calculate you need 931 games to be considered a games collector. Yikes! I'm miles behind in computer games. I would have more, but I think I sold most of my spinning discs when I moved flat. We circle back to RPG News again, as an important company has just made it easier to find games for your collection. DriveThruRPG has added a romance and LGBTQ plus genres to their navigation. I'm pleased. I had expected complaints about forced diversity or I don't want sex in my games, but I didn't get any of that. You see, if you don't want to look for RPGs that feature LGBTQ plus characters, then you don't need to. If you do, it's now easy to do so. So surely that's a win-win. If you are looking for new RPGs, then there are a few quick headlines to mention. Monty Cook Games has a humble bundle deal running where you can get the Cypher System games and The Strange. The dark sci-fi Black Void now has a free quick start. I like the Black Void. It's different in tone and style, but I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. So I think the quick start is a good idea. It's a risk-free introduction to the game. Ironsworn is a highly acclaimed RPG, and did you know you can get the PDF copy of the core rules for free? Ironsworn got a large and not free supplement in the form of Ironsworn Delve this week. Absolutely worth checking out, as Delve supports the Ironsworn trifecta of solo play, co-op play, 
and the traditional with the GM play. Another way to reduce risk is to see what's been winning awards. Crunchyroll just released the results of their Anime of the Year awards. Demon Slayer won, which maybe isn't a surprise, but it wasn't dominant as I expected. Tandro of Demon Slayer won Best Male Character, called Best Boy by Crunchyroll, but it was Raffatella from The Rising of the Shield Hero who won the Best Girl. Best Fantasy went to The Promised Neverland, and Best Drama went to The Vinland Saga, both of which I need to watch. Oh, speaking of which, there's a backlog of irregular reconnaissance that's living up to its name and in need of a write-up. Perhaps now I've said it on the podcast, it will happen. I want to finish with three bits of comic book news. First up is Bad Idea. I'm calling Bad Idea the best comic books that you won't ever be able to read. It's a new publisher made up of ex-Valiant staff and they're not doing digital. They're only doing high quality print and they're only doing it with 20 shops. In other words, only 20 stores around the world will sell Bad Idea comics. Maybe 50 if things go well. But unless there's another revenue stream, I don't see how things can go well. Perhaps you can subscribe to physical comics directly from Bad Ideas themselves. In Valiant news, Shadow Man is coming back. Cullen Bunn will write and John Davis Hunt illustrating. I'm up for that. And I hope I can easily and safely buy the new series from Comicology. Lastly, I looked at the indie comic Woodland Creatures and realised that the so-called heroes are actually murderous werewolves with little regard for human life. Curious about the appeal of anti-heroes, I reached out to author Christina Roswell and asked her about it. We seem to agree that sometimes being able to escape responsibility is attractive. You can find that full review on Geek Native. And with that, let's call it a podcast and pick up next week. Keep safe and be well.